Little Miss Muffet has one of the most bizarre origin stories I've ever heard. And if it's true, I think we're all gonna walk away from this video feeling a little more grateful for our lives. Unless your dad was a mad scientist. In that case, you're gonna find this oddly relatable. When it comes to nursery rhymes, Little Miss Muffet might be one of the most recognized in the Western world. Pretty much everyone and their mother knows about that poor girl's traumatizing experience on the Tuffet. But if you need a reminder on the details, I've got you covered. Just brace yourself because this story gets real scary real quick. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating her curds and whey. There came a big spider who sat down beside her and frightened Miss Muffet away. What I tell ya, roller coaster, right? It's honestly a miracle that she managed to escape. But I'm glad she did, or we might never know the true story about what happened on that fateful day. According to the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes, written by renowned folklorists Siona and Peter Ropi, what I just recited is the earliest printed variant of the Little Miss Muffet rhyme. It can be found in a collection called Songs for the Nursery, collected by an anonymous author and published in London in 1805. Since then, there's been an impressive number of Miss Muffet variants collected. Some only have a few words tweaked, like the big spider becomes a little one, or instead of there came a big spider, it goes along came a spider, but there's also a few rhymes that tell very different stories. For instance, there's Little Pole Pear, who sat in his garret, eating toast and tea, when a little brown mouse jumped into the house and stole it all away. Doesn't exactly rhyme, but you got it. Or who can forget little General Monk, who sat upon a trunk, eating a crust of bread, when there fell a hot coal and burnt into his clothes a hole. Now, little General Monk is dead. Okay, I guess the stories aren't that different. Everyone seems to follow a protagonist who's innocently snacking when something unexpected happens, be it a spider, a mouse, or death itself. And I don't know about you guys, but after hearing that, I couldn't help wondering if there are so many rhymes with similar lyrics and plot structures, what is it about Miss Muffet and her Tuffet that became the most iconic one of all, to the point where children and parents are still singing it centuries later? My initial theory is that it may have been attached to some kind of game, like Ring Around the Rosie and 12 Days of Christmas were. And trying to get this question answered took me down a weird rabbit hole. I'll try to keep this tangent short, but let's just say that if you've ever fantasized about going to a real Victorian era ball, maybe not. Maybe don't go to one of those. Unless you like strangers putting their mouth on you, then you should definitely go. Apparently, there was a tradition known as the cushion dance, which took place during the closing ceremony of weddings. The first written mention of it can be found in H. John Playford's The Dancing Master Manual, published in 1650, but the tradition continued well into the 1800s. It started with some guy, hopefully a member of the wedding party, walking into the reception hall, locking all the exits, and pocketing the keys. He would have a drinking horn in one hand, a cushion in the other, and just dance around the room for a little while while a fiddle played in the background. The guy would then tell the fiddler that he is desperately looking for a specific woman to dance with, and for some reason, the name Joan Saunderson was often used. I have no idea why. The only historical figure I could find with a name close to that is Joan Sanderson, a British actress who was born in 1912. So unless the game was invented by a time traveler who couldn't spell, I doubt he was talking about her. Anyway, the desperate guy looking for a date would eventually drop his cushion in front of a woman of his choosing and kneel on it. Whichever woman he chose was expected to do the same, then they would both take a swig of the drinking horn and kiss. The two would then dance for a bit and the girl would leave 
leave the original guy in the center while she would throw the cushion down in front of a guy of her choosing. And this process would repeat until everybody in attendance was dancing in the center circle. Eventually, that circle would break up, and while the bride and groom snuck out of the room, the rest of the dancers broke into couples, and after the song was over, the celebration ended. Now, I don't mean to project my crass, corrupting view on perfectly innocent traditions, but does anyone else think that sounds like it was designed to boost your chances of getting laid? You know why plagues did so much damage back then? It wasn't lack of penicillin, it was horn dog shit like this where everyone kisses on the mouth and then divides up into who they want to hook up with after the dance is over. I did read that the kissers could cover their mouth with a handkerchief, but do you really think that did anything to stop the spread of disease? You know, I'm getting dangerously close to getting flagged for COVID misinformation, so I'm just gonna blaze past that. The point of me bringing up this weirdly intimate tradition is that it inspired a more kid-friendly version where children stood in a ring and basically did the same thing, complete with a cushion. But instead of kissing, they either held hands or kneeled. That kid-friendly version was called Sally Waters and had a little song to accompany it. But that song's lyrics are irrelevant, save for the fact that as the song spread to different regions, the lyrics were replaced to tell stories about other characters, like Little Polly Flinders, who sat among the cinders, or Little Mary Esther, who sat upon a tester. It's possible, but yet to be proven, that Little Miss Muffet was one of these variations. Her tuffet, represented by the cushion thrown at her feet, and the spider who sat down beside her is the boy asking for her hand. He frightens Miss Muffet away because then it's her turn to dance around the ring and find a new partner to do the same exchange with. I personally am a fan of that theory, but it is just a theory. And even if it's true, it doesn't explain why Miss Muffet stood out among the rest of the rhymes. If anything, it makes it more confusing because those other rhymes may have also been played along with the game. Another explanation that experts have suggested is that the subject matter of Little Miss Muffet lends itself to illustration. Unlike those other rhymes, which involved monks setting themselves on fire and Little Miss Mopsy sitting in a shopsy, Miss Muffet eating her curds and whey and getting scared of the spider is simple to illustrate and easy to inject humor into. That is, outside of one crucial detail, the tuffet. What in the nine circles of hell is a tuffet? That's a question that every illustrator of nursery rhymes asks themselves at some point in their career. And I would say there's been a surprising amount of debate over the answer, but at this point, I don't think any of you would be surprised by that. It seems like every single line of every single well-known nursery rhyme has more than one potential explanation. Well, in the case of the tuffet, there are two widely accepted answers. It could either be a three-legged stool or a small hill. Personally, whenever I've heard the rhyme, I've pictured her sitting on a little grassy hill, but that's probably just because deep, deep in my memory banks is a storybook or Barney episode that showed it that way. I'm really curious to know what you picture when you hear the rhyme though, so make sure you leave a comment telling me whether you've always thought of it as a hill, a stool, or something else entirely. And for bonus points, tell me when you were first exposed to the rhyme, because I'm always curious when people remember that. I'm sure there's also a few of you who have questions about the curds and whey part too, and I'm happy to report that for once, the answer is real simple. Whey protein. Miss Muffet was getting jacked. Nah, in all seriousness, most American audiences consider curds and whey to basically be cottage cheese. Curds being the slightly curdled milk, and the whey being the watery residue that's left after the curds start to form. But there are some UK-based sites that claim curds and whey is an older term used for a dessert called junket, which nowadays is made with sweetened milk, rennet, nutmeg, and sometimes fruit 
but back in the day consisted of milk, clotted cream, and rum. Man, those Brits sure know how to make mouth-watering food, don't they? Almost sounds as tasty as one of Mrs. Lovett's meat pies. So at this point, you know almost everything the experts know about this nursery rhyme. Where Miss Muffet sat, what she ate, and the games that people who lived more than a century ago used to play while reciting it. This is where things get really interesting. Not to say they weren't before, I'm sure that discussion about curds and whey was just riveting to you guys. Now, unlike the theories about the Muffin Man being a serial killer, which we discussed a few weeks ago, the guy who inspired this theory, Dr. Thomas Muffet, actually existed, and there's even records of his work that survive to this day. To put it simply, Dr. Muffet was an English physician who studied the anatomy and behaviors of arthropods, specifically silkworms and spiders. And his work contributed heavily to a publication called Theater of Insects, which his colleagues had published decades after his death. There's been some speculation that the Little Miss Muffet rhyme was inspired by an encounter that the doctor's stepdaughter patients had with one of the spiders he was studying. One story that I found claimed that one day while she was snacking and watching the doctor work, one of his spiders ventured a little too close to her and caused her to run away. But there's another, much more disturbing claim that Thomas Muffet's affinity for arachnids was taken too far. Supposedly, he actually believed that eating spiders could cure all kinds of illnesses, and whenever patients was sick, he would mash spiders up and mix them into her food. Absolutely horrifying if true, but there's a few problems with this claim. One, it doesn't actually describe an incident where Miss Muffet was startled by a spider like in the rhyme, though I guess you could assume that she freaked out when she realized spiders were in her food. But the other big problem is that we couldn't find any evidence that Thomas Muffet actually used spiders in such a way. Sure, he loved studying them from a scientific lens, but just because he was a doctor doesn't mean he actually used them medicinally. And if he did, I am sure there would at least be a footnote mentioning that in the giant book he wrote about them. But to my knowledge, there isn't. Not to mention, Thomas Muffet died in 1604, 201 years before the very first publication of the Miss Muffet rhyme in Songs for the Nursery. Some may argue that it's very common, almost a rite of passage, for rhymes and stories to be shared orally for a century or two before they're written down, but they usually go through some changes during that time, so I highly doubt Patience's encounter with a spider would have been encapsulated in rhyme and perfectly preserved for two whole centuries. And actually, when you take that into consideration, what makes the most sense is what I suggested earlier, that Little Miss Muffet is just a simple variation of those cushion game rhymes, and that she was no more real than little Jack Horner who sat in the corner, or little Polly Flinders who sat among the cinders. I know that answer is not as fun as a little girl being forced to eat spiders, but if you actually wanted that to be true, I think there might be some trauma in your past that you need to discuss with your therapist. Or you're just a big Fear Factor fan. Either way, I want to hear your thoughts on the matter, so make sure you hit me up on the socials, links in the description. Sacrifice those five-star and follow buttons to get more deep dives into folklore and mythology sent to your device every Friday morning. I'll see you all again in the next episode of Messed Up Origins when I break down the book that inspired Jeff and the Big Ass Orange, or something like that. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. Thank you.